0: welcome back to New Books in Jewish Studies. I'm your host, Shira Cohn, and we've got a great show for you today. I'm here with Tanir Oxman, Assistant Professor of Academic Writing and Director of the Writing Program at Marymount Manhattan College, to discuss her new book, How Come Boys Get to Keep Their Noses? Women and Jewish American Identity in Contemporary Graphic Memoirs, published this year by Columbia University Press. Tanir, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Um, Let's delve right in. Um, The first question I wanted to ask you about is what is a graphic memoir and how it relates to other genres such as comics or graphic novels? That's a great question,
1: Um, and it's a great opening question, I think, because terminology is really important when it comes to comics. So comics is the medium. Um, As Scott McCloud, who's a cartoonist and and a, a comics theorist, famously put it, Comics is a form of sequential art, so it's really looking at images and words together on the page um, when they're put in sequential order. And that's what differentiates a comic from, let's say, a a single-panel cartoon. Um, Oftentimes, you'll hear words like graphic novel or graphic memoir or graphic narrative applied to comics. Um, Comics is the medium. Graphic novel is a term that Will Eisner made famous um, another cartoonist, and that's a term that's really um, in his application. It was a term for a book length comics work, um, and so oftentimes you'll hear that term applied, and it sort of obviously it it relates comics to uh, what we're more comfortable with, which are texts, um, graphic memoir or graphic novel term that many will apply to nonfiction works um, to make sure it's clear that those works are not fictionalized. Uh, I think oftentimes people are so um, excited to be you know reading in this new medium that some of those distinctions are can be lost so when um, Art Spiegelman's Mouse, which is his famous graphic novel about his father's experience as a Holocaust survivor. Um, when Mouse was put on the New York Times bestseller list, it was originally put on the fiction list. Um, and there was a very famous exchange between Spiegelman who wrote a letter to the Times um, and the editors. And eventually they moved it to the nonfiction side of the list. But I think most importantly, um, I, I like to interchange the term comics with Graphic narrative or graphic memoir. Um, And I do this throughout my book in part to show that there is a history there. So even though people might associate comics with works that are funny, or with works that they're familiar with from childhood, like superhero comics or action comics, um, or even newspaper comics. Actually, comics is simply a, a way of telling. So, just like um, just as in prose, you can have many different genres encompassed within prose. Within comics, you can have different genres, including biography, um, historiography, memoir, fiction, and all of those categories.
0: And how? What brought you to studying this genre?
1: It was not a direct path. It was a very uh, circuitous route, actually. Um, so I started with an interest in graduate school in memoir and memoir theory. Um, and that is specifically questions about what happens when we construct stories about our lives. How do those stories actually help the way that we think about it? experience life, um, so that connection between the narrative and the actual lived person. Um, a lot of the authors that I was encountering actually really used the visual in their works, whether by including lots of visual um, terminology or description inside of their prose works, or in actually using visual images such as photographs or drawings or cartoons. Um, I think oftentimes I like to think about the comics that I look at, the autobiographical comics that I look at as um, parts of the family album, the parts that you don't see in the album. So if you think about you don't necessarily have family albums in the same or but once upon a time when we all had our family albums at home uh, of those happier moments, celebrations, graduations the moments that aren't in the family album are what's happening underneath the surface or the unhappier moments, the traumatic moments, um, the moments of grief. You don't typically see a photograph of a divorce in a family album. And so the way that I like to think about the comics that I write about, the autobiographies, is that they're sort of um, showing what's hidden in the family album. But of course, a family album in a way, because all of these writers are engaging with um,
0: moments from their youth or... As you said, this is a really deeply personal experience for the authors that you're discussing. And I'm wondering if you can say a bit more about what this term that you coined, disaffiliation, is and how it appears um, throughout the works that you're looking at.
1: Sure. Yeah. The term disaffiliation, I put a, a, I put a little hyphen in it. So... Um, It is a term that I coined. What I was really trying to answer was the question of in contemporary post-war America, what does Jewish identity mean if you don't necessarily have a religious affiliation, um, if you don't necessarily have religious beliefs? And what I found with many of the authors that I was looking at is that their identification with being Jewish actually started with a disidentification, in other words, they all have a kind of partial affiliation, a partial connection to being Jewish. And that partial connection is oftentimes rooted in a kind of rejection of one thing or another. Um, and that thing really is dependent on the particular author. Off- so for example, Aileen Kaminsky krum with her work, and the reason I actually called named the book, How Come Boys get to keep their noses. Um, I was looking at a cartoon of hers, a comic of hers, um, called nose job in which she talks about growing up in long Island in the five towns and feeling this pressure to get a nose job. Um, and at a certain point she rejects getting a nose job and she feels a certain pride in this rejection. Um, and it's this pride where I really see Jewish identity. Thing the most. Um, it's in standing apart from the Jewish community and the pressures of the Jewish community that surrounds her. For lots of the authors I was looking at, the disaffiliation really comes in when they start to feel pressure, whether it's pressure to date Jewish guys and marry Jewish men, um, or it's pressure to um, participate in Jewish holidays or Jewish events pressure to be thought of in a certain way um, as Jewish, pressure to fit a certain stereotype. So for me, disaffiliation was a way of naming that sort of partial identification that really starts with certain aspects of what um, people think of as being Jewish.
0: So Tanir, when we talk about uh, the different authors that you look at and the ways in which they um, express a form of disaffiliation, I'm wondering how you selected the authors that you did and also to what extent are they aware of each other? Do the younger authors you look at acknowledge Aileen Kaminsky Crumb at all? Yeah. Um,
1: So Aileen Kaminsky Crumb, she's called herself uh, the great grandmother of, uh, of autobiographical comics. And I think that's very true for her. Um, Lots of the women that I write about, all of them are familiar with her. I think if you're an autobiographical cartoonist, You've read Aileen Kaminsky Crumb. Her comic Goldie, which appeared in 1972, is considered the autobiographical comic um, by an American woman. Uh, All of them were heavily influenced by Aileen Kaminsky Crumb one way or another. Um, The other influence that she had was she published an anthology, she co-published an anthology with works. So she not only published her own autobiographical comics, but she also um, made famous other women, and she really helped promote other women's works. So I do think um, there's lots of connections there for the younger cartoonists with Aileen Kaminsky-Crumb, and they oftentimes will mention her works in In India. Vanessa Davis has a comic where she brings in Aileen Kaminsky-Crumb as well as um, Aileen's husband, Robert Crum, who's also a famous underground cartoonist. Uh, In terms of how I came up with the authors that I wrote about, I was really interested in finding authors who uh, were grappling in some way with their Jewish identity. So I started with Aileen Kaminsky Crumb, and she seemed really interesting to me in the way that she wrote about um, the physical aspects and the more stereotypical aspects of being Jewish. But then I was looking at these authors of a more recent generation and seeing that they didn't engage directly with type in the same way as Aileen Kaminsky Crumb, but they were still clearly grappling with Jewish identity. Um, All of them are invested in being Jewish. Not a single one hides the Jewishness in their works. It's it's all very apparent, but it's also not. it's clearly not their primary um, goal in writing their works. And that was very interesting to me. It was very intriguing to me um, to think about. The other thing that really links together the people that I write about is the way that they play with genre. So genre to me is so interesting because I come from, um, as I said, memoir studies, and there are so many... um, false ideas about what memoir is as a form so I often hear from um, well it's a memoir so the person was just writing from life doesn't take a whole lot of skill and of course memoirs are constructions so you know if you tell if you write down what your life is like very different from what you write tomorrow. And even, of course, you have to choose the topic, you have to choose the moments, you have to put those moments together. You really have to shape it in the same way you would shape any other piece of art or literature. Um, The authors that I ended up looking at, they're all really interested in genre um, and in playing with genre conventions and expectations. So, for example, Lauren Weinstein, who's one of the cartoonists that I write about, She has uh, a wonderful graphic memoir called Girl Stories, which is really a young girl, as though um, she's telling us the events as they're unfolding. And it's this sort of playing with genre that was so interesting and engaging to me. And in a way, I like to tie in the notion of um, identity and genre by saying, you know, both of these are categorizations and in life, we're always compelled to, to put things into categories. It helps us understand the world and understand each other. Um, but at the same time, there's lots of problems with these categories. There's always limitations. There's always exceptions when you have categories. So really, for me, it was a very natural fit to find authors who were grappling both with identity in their works by playing with genre.
0: Great, I would love to delve into this a little bit more and talk about some of the specific um artists that you look at. I know we've spoken a little bit about um Eileen Kaminsky Crum and to a lesser extent Lauren Weinstein. Um, as you mentioned, Eileen Kaminsky-Crumm is really the pioneer or a pioneer um of this um genre and the your starting point in many ways. So I wonder if you can say a little more about how she envisions um her disaffiliation with Judaism or being Jewish.
1: Yeah, I think that uh Aileen Kaminsky crumbs stereotypes. And oftentimes this gets her into trouble a little bit. Um, so people will look at her said things like, Well, she's a self-hating Jew because she includes these really um not not pretty images of what it means to be Jewish or what it means to be a Jewish woman. Um for me that's what's most exciting and interesting about her work is that she shows us how we all inherit stereotypes. There's really no way around inheriting, for example, the Jewish American princess stereotype if you're born an American woman in post-war America. Um, there's really no way of not having not in some way inheriting the, um, the stereotypes that go along with being a Jewish mother. So Aileen Kaminsky-Crumb, in her work, she really grapples with those stereotypes by displaying them. And um, one comic that I write about in which she draws about her relationship with her mother, she includes this really monstrous image of her mother at the end. Um, And to me, it's so interesting to see because she's not shying away from really dealing with the um, hard facts of what it means to be Jewish. it means to understand your contemporary Jewish identity, which is to say, you know, you take the good with the bad. You recognize that there's a lot of ways in which um, Jewishness has been misconstrued or has been constructed in these really um, problematic and painful ways. But of course, once you're incorporating that into your autobiographical comics, you're really taking those stereotypes and you're taking charge over them. So it, it actually becomes in her works, I think, a form of empowerment um, to take those stereotypes and really play with them.
0: Definitely. Another concept that um, I really see throughout your work is sort of tackling this concept of home and exile. And how it appears in some of the different authors that you look at. I'm thinking um, certainly of Vanessa Davis, but also in another way of those authors you look at who um, delve into thinking about Israel, um, which I thought was a really provocative chapter of your work. And I wonder if you can say a little more about this concept of home and what you do with that in your book.
1: Sure. Yeah, it it is. provocative chapter, I think, as, as anything written these days about Israel is uh, want to be. Um, I looked at two works by contemporary American women who were really grappling with their identity in relationship to Israel. Um, and one of the central questions I was starting with was, what does it mean to grow up American? Um, what what does Israel stand for in terms of American identity? Um, And one of the things I was seeing for these two particular authors, although they do this, they come at it in very different ways, um, is this kind of grappling with um, the and the disaffiliation is really disaffiliating from the assumption that just because you're Jewish, you necessarily um, support the Zionist cause, or conversely, just because you're a progressive secular Jew, you necessarily don't support the cause. Um, so I think what I was really trying to show was the complications involved. I think also comics are so exciting and interesting to me because they they show place. Um, so they're really there's a way in which these two these two cartoonists in particular. Um, start to make you think about what it means to travel someplace else and the the kind of connections that we make between um, who we are and where we are. So, for example, there's this wonderful scene in Sarah Glidden's How to Understand Israel in 60 Days or Less, Um, in that book where she's at the airport and she's being asked by airport security um, questions to sort of security questions. And one of the questions is about, you know, when did you have your bat mitzvah? How many people came? These very specific questions. um, And ostensibly, it's to make sure she's, you know, been proper, she's properly Jewish, that makes her more secure. Um, And she incorporates these two images of herself side by side. And one is a report wearing this kind of green outfit um, that she's been pictured in already. And then there's a kind of flashback to her bat mitzvah. And she's wearing a bat mitzvah dress in a similar shade. And so suddenly you have these two different places and these two different times. But they're really brought together on the page. And that's something that comics can do. Is make us really think about difference in this new way and think about the ways that our past selves really affect who we are today, our past experiences are continually affecting who we are today, but also how even in the present we have these sort of different um states of mind that affect us. So you know, for Jewish Americans. Um, spending time, for example, in Israel, their view of what's going on in Israel is continually going to be affected by their sense of self at home and their sense of self abroad. So it's really about juxtaposing different times and different spaces on the same page.
0: And did you see any difference in the two Israel accounts that you provided, Sarah Glidden and Miriam Lebecki? Um. Was there a difference, did you feel, between Miriam actually um, having roots in Israel, familial roots in Israel, versus Sarah, who is very much a product of the American environment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. In some ways, their stories were sort of headed in opposite directions, because as Sarah says, or as her persona says at the beginning of the memoir, because, of course, it's not her, it's a version of her, um, as her persona says at the beginning of the memoir, you know, she really, or she, actually she says this towards the end of the memoir, she went to Israel with certain assumptions. And actually, her assumptions were that she was not going to feel connected to Israel because she had so many um, complicated feelings about politics of what was happening, of what is happening um, with Palestinians. And, you know, on the other hand, Miriam Lubicki, her book is Which is also a memoir, um, starts off with someone who has gone off to um, an American who has signed herself on to be the Israeli army. Um, But of course, the more time she spends in the Israeli army, the more she starts to feel herself actually distanced from this place that she obviously thought she was very connected to. Um, and the Israeli soldiers around her sort of look at her askance, like, why would anyone sign up for this if they didn't have to do this? So I think for both of them, they're really, um, they're certainly coming at at Israel and the question of what Israel means to them as North Americans um, in these very different ways. But what's very interesting is to show the same their sense of selves in relation and it's very difficult for them to sort of concretize uh, the way that they feel particularly when they're engaged Um, when they're uh, Sarah Glidden for example is talking to lots of different Israelis with different backgrounds and she finds that her mind is continuously being changed by these one-on-one conversations through dialogue. Um, And Miriam Lebicki, too, you know, in recounting her experiences, and for her, she really focuses on actually um, the sort of the sexual uh, experiences that she has in the Israeli army. But her mind is also continually being shaped by this experience, um, by the different experiences she has, by the individuals that she meets think for both of them they 're really invested in um, really resisting a single unified notion of what Israel means to them as North Americans,
0: yeah, and you go from Israel um into a conclusion which um it 's funny, I was always um taught in graduate school, the conclusions are not for introducing new material, but you in fact introduce a brand new artist in your conclusion, Liana Fink. And I'm wondering how um, you think that her work, I mean, going from contemporary Israel really into a historical moment, the heart of the Jewish Lower East Side, um, what brought you to using her to really encapsulate your story?
1: Yeah, so I use for the conclusion Liana Fink's A Mental Brief, which is not technically a memoir, although I, I end up calling it a memoir and arguing for it as a memoir um, to be read as a memoir. And it's a book where she takes the letters from Brief, which, of course, was the advice column um, that ran in the forward from the turn of the century um, that included immigrants, but also Americans, asking an editor for advice about everything from you know, um, I fell in love with a non-Jewish woman. What should I tell my parents? Two, I'm starving and broke and stole my watch, but I don't want to embarrass my neighbor because my neighbor is all starving. Painful, um, unsettling stories of what it means not only to be an immigrant, but actually to be an American in this very, you know, this assimilating uh, America. And I wanted to end with Liana Fink's book first because it plays with genre, just like all of the other works that I talk about. And it does so in this really interesting way. Um, So she incorporates the letters, but then she includes a storyline where there's a character named Liana. um, So that's one of the ways I argue that it is autobiographical. Um, She looks like Liana. This character is given the Bintel brief letters and um, Shalom Alechem comes to life on the page and he talks to her about these letters and he talks to her about these stories. And you see her responses to these stories, these very emotional, effective responses. Um, the other thing that I was really interested in, in terms of ending with this work is it's a work that's focused on the past, on the early 20th century past in particular, but it's really a work that's invested in showing how that past is still connected to the present. Um, so the central character, that uh, Liana look-alike character in Bintel Brief, is this young woman who's really lost, and you don't learn a whole lot of information. There are these moments where she's engaging with Abraham Kahan. Uh, who was the editor of the Forward and ostensibly the person responding to those letters, although he wasn't necessarily named as such. Um, so there are these conversations that she has with this Abraham Kahan come to life first century, where she's really grappling with what does Jewish identity mean if you, again, don't have that religious affiliation or that belief, and if you don't have that immigrant experience But nevertheless, just by creating this narrative itself, she's showing how she is still connected to those stories in some way. Um, So for me, what was so exciting is that it's a way of looking at history, but really making that history alive in the present.
0: Certainly something that, as you mentioned, really does run throughout your book. Um, We need to wrap up. But first, I really would love to know what are you working on next.
1: Um, so I'm currently starting work on a new book on uh, graphic medicine, which is a whole other whole other category of comics related to illness and disability um and so i'm I'm starting to slowly look at different authors who are grappling with things like um dealing with aging, aging parents, dealing with loss, mourning people um. It's not necessarily all Jewish authors in this case, although there will be a fair amount of Jewish cartoonists that I'll be looking at and seeing how do you visualize loss and absence on the page? And what are the ways in which cartoonists can help think in a slightly different way about visualizing loss?
0: Wow, I look forward to hearing how this project develops. Well, Tanir, thank you so much for being on the show today. And again, the book is by Tanir Oaksman, um, How Can Boys Get to Keep Their Noses, Women and Jewish American Identity in Contemporary Graphic Novels, published in 2016 by Columbia University Press. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.